0: Morning everyone, go ahead and take a seat. Well, my name is Simon, and I'm the pastoral intern here at Hillside, and welcome this morning. I've got a couple of announcements for you before we invite up our speaker for this morning. So the first is, through the months from July to the end of the year, we're going through a a fasting and prayer initiative. Some of you, many of you have signed up, and so the sign-up sheets are out in the foyer, and so... Please feel free. There are many spaces there. Don't feel bad about doubling up if there's someone already signed on a day and that's the only day that works. Then we really want to encourage uh, each of us to be involved in this spiritual discipline and draw near to God through this. The other thing is that uh, we have a new guide for the month of August. And so if you've never fasted before, if you, you don't really know what to do throughout the day, this is a really helpful guide that will walk you through that process. And so we very much encourage you to do that. And lastly, if you have been fasting and praying throughout this past month, we would love to hear stories about how God has spoken to you, about how uh, He's drawn near to you, about answered prayer. We would love to hear these God stories. And so if you have those, please email us at info@myhillside.ca. That's the email on the back of your bulletin. So we would love to hear your stories. Please do that so we can celebrate and worship God along with you. Secondly, is we have our open mic night, which is part of our summer nights program throughout this summer. That's coming up on August 15th at 7 p.m. And we would like to encourage you, it's still a few weeks away, but we would love to encourage you to sign up for that. If you are musically gifted or anything to do with a microphone, whether it's poetry, um, Dave Forsyth signed up to do a rap. You know? this may sound uh, unbelievable, but it's definitely, definitely true. And so, you know, we at least come along for that. But anything, if you're, you're gifted in anything to do with vocals, music, we would love for you to sign up. And so Bill, our associate pastor, will be at the back at the end of the service. And he would love to, to sign you up for that. And so see him then. Well, let me introduce our speaker for this morning. We have Andrew Demo line coming to share God's word with us. Andrew is a friend of David Wood, who we had the pleasure of having last week. David seems to be one of these guys that connects a lot of people. I'm here because of David. And so, uh, yeah, we praise, we praise God for David. Andrew has been a follower of Jesus uh, since a young age. But it was in university that he first uh, drew really near to God and started pursuing him in, in depth. He's been a husband to Christina for 14 years, and he's a father to, to four young children. He's also been a pastor in the Christian and Missionary Alliance for nine years. And there are four things you need to know about Andrew to, to know what he loves. And these are, he loves spending time with his family. He loves hiking. He loves preaching. So we're, we're blessed to, to see that passion this morning. And he also loves reading. And so you're a kindred spirit with, with me, Andrew please come up here and let me pray for you before we begin dear Lord we thank you so much for, for Andrew we thank you for his ministry to your whole church that he's been a, a pastor for many years we also thank you for his, his love for your word his love for, for digging into the riches of your word that you have spoken so we ask this morning that you would give him uh, wisdom and skill as he shares your word with us we ask that we would have open hearts as we listen to what you have to say to us through andrew and so we ask that your spirit would be upon him this morning to proclaim your good news powerfully boldly lord so we thank you for this in jesus name amen amen thank you
1: simon I always want to say thank you first. Thank you, Lincoln and team. It's so good to join you guys in worship this morning. It was a privilege. It's a privilege to be here. And thank you all for having me and for the opportunity to preach the word this morning. I do feel it's an honor and uh, I'm grateful to be here. One of the things I like to do is to begin with the reading of the word and to ask you to please stand in honor of the word. It's the truest and best thing you're going to hear this morning. And if you want to read along, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 1 to 8. I don't know if it's on the screen or anything, but if you've got your Bible or your phone, you can pull it out. And I'm reading from the NIV. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. Will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Jesus is a genius. Every time I get a chance to study one of his stories or preach one of his stories, I'm reminded of this. I'm reminded of how smart Jesus is. We just read a story. It's eight verses, took about 30 seconds to read, and it's so profound that the 30 minutes I have this morning doesn't even get close to explaining it all, and yet so simple that a child can understand it. I wish I could write stories like this. I wish I had the storytelling powers of Jesus. I don't. I'm not a genius. That's why I'm talking about his words and not mine. Um, And it's a great story, isn't it? I hope you catch some of the humor in this story, that picture of this powerful judge brought down by a lowly widow. I hope that this makes you smile. And we're going to talk about that, but before we get into the story, let me tell you where I'm going to go today. We're gonna look at this parable on prayer in three Ps. So we're gonna go through three sections. We're gonna talk about the person, purpose, and the persons, and the plea. We're gonna start with the purpose. Why is Jesus telling this story? We're gonna look at verse one. Then we're gonna talk about the persons. And this is where we walk through the story. It's gonna be the biggest part of the sermon this morning. And we're gonna focus particularly on the two characters in Jesus' story. And then finally, we're gonna look at the plea. The very last words of Jesus in this passage are a plea to those hearing the story and we need to talk about that. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start in verse 1. Verse 1 Luke tells us, he says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up or not lose heart. One of the things I love about this parable is that we get this right at the outset. So many of Jesus' parables, you don't know at the beginning what the end is going to lead to, which is kind of the point of a lot of parables. Somebody asks a question, there's something going on around Jesus, and he responds by telling a story. And the goal of the story most of the time is kind of to sneak up on you right? He tells a parable, and by the end, the truth is clear, and you can't dodge it anymore. And this has been the purpose of parables ever th- since Nathan confronts David after the incident with Bathsheba and Uriah. And Jesus follows in that tradition most of the time, but this parable isn't like that. From the very beginning, we know exactly what's going on. Jesus told them this parable for a reason. And incidentally, I'm preaching this morning with the same purpose. I want you And me and all of us to be people who pray always and do not lose heart, do not give up. So let's talk about this for a minute. Always pray. Prayer is one of the key subjects of Jesus' teaching. It's certainly something that Luke really likes to talk about all the time. Um, I find it interesting that in all four Gospels, the only time we have the, the disciples coming to Jesus and saying, we want you to teach us about something they ask him questions all the time. They ask for clarification, they ask for explanations. But the only time they come to him and say, this is what we want you to teach us about, they ask him to teach them about prayer. And The result is the Lord's Prayer. Over and over again, we're shown in the Gospels how Jesus goes off to pray alone. The disciples try to perform acts of power. They try to cast out demons, and they can't do it. And they say to Jesus, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says, this only happens through prayer. And so they know from his ministry how important this is, and they ask him about it. And here Jesus is coming back to this subject. He wants us to always pray and not to lose heart, not to give up. I think all of us know what it feels like to lose heart, to have set your heart on something, to have sought that thing to have worked for it, to have, to have aimed for it, to have strategized and planned, and then slowly or quickly to realize it's not going to happen. And, and your heart that had been set on that thing, you, you, you let go. And it's painful. And it's difficult. The lack of progress or failure or something makes you think it's not going to happen. Simon mentioned that I love hiking. I do love hiking. But hiking is one of those activities where sometimes you lose heart. And sometimes you, it's right, sometimes you have to, sometimes you, you're looking and the peak is still way over there and the sun is on the horizon and you know, you know you're not going to make it. You know you're not going to get those views. You know you're not going to be able to say, I conquered this mountain. Uh, many years ago, I went on the West Coast Trail. There was four of us, we hiked the West Coast Trail. It's this beautiful trail on the western side of Vancouver Island. Uh, it takes about six days to do. It's some pretty serious terrain. Um, and, and we're hiking this trail. And to give you an idea, like w- we started the trail, and there'd been almost a week with no rain. And the first three days of our hike, there was still no rain. And in that time, you could still find mud that went up to your knees. It wasn't hard. So that's the kind of trail that you're on. And as our third day ended, it, we crossed, we passed the lighthouse and they give you a weather report and the guy says, it's going to start raining this afternoon and it's not going to stop for at least two days. And, and we're like, okay, <laughs> there's nothing you can do, right? True to his word, it starts raining that afternoon. We were already in camp, and I was of the mindset, if I'm going to be wet for the next two days, I'm not going to be wet tonight. So as soon as it start raining, I went into my tent, and I didn't come out till morning. And the next morning, we get up, and it's still pouring rain, and it's cold, and it's cloudy, and you pack up wet, and you put on all your gear and your pack. And it's heavy when it's dry. It's really heavy when everything's wet. And we start walking. One of the other guys in my group fell into, a, into mud that almost hit his hip. Um, I slid down a rocky slope and was soaked, like, up to here. So it was a hard day, and we were tired. We were so tired. And we got to the end, and it's still raining, and, um, and I was done. Like, I was really done. And you're still three days left to hike. <laughs> and um, if you asked me at that point, what's going to keep me going, what kept me from losing heart, honestly, if someone had come along with a boat, <laughs> I probably would have been on it. And there was this moment where I'm trying to set up a tarp so that we could have someplace dry to eat. And, and my fingers were so mushy and my brain was so mushy that I couldn't tie the simplest of knots. And after about a half dozen attempts, I just screamed out to the horizon, it was just like ah, And everyone else around the camp is kind of like, what's going on? And I sat down, and the tarp dropped. And I was like, this is, you know what, it's not going to happen. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking out. So I did lose heart. And I'm looking out over the ocean. And off in the distance, I saw something that I'd almost forgotten what it looked like. It was a ray of sunshine breaking through the clouds. And as we sat there for the next two hours, the clouds cleared. A day early, the rain stopped for us. And I still look at that and feel like that is the gift and grace of God for me. Um, but I didn't have a choice I had to keep going when it comes to prayer we do have a choice and it is very easy it is very tempting sometimes it's even logical and feels reasonable to give up to lose heart and so as we begin to look at this story one of the questions that's in in mind is what is Jesus going to tell us that will allow us to pray always and not lose heart? The answer is always hope of some kind. But what hope can he give us? Well, let's find out. Let's turn to the story. Let's talk about the persons. And I want to read the parable again. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't wear me out with her coming. It's a good story. just two characters. There's not a lot of scene setting. There's not a lot of details. He doesn't give us any kind of descriptions. He tells us briefly about the judge. He neither fears God nor cares about people. So you're imagining a powerful man who's out for himself and there's no one who can stop him, right? He's a judge. What can you do? We aren't told anything directly about the widow, other than that she's a widow, but we know quite a bit by her actions. As as I said, Jesus is a genius. He's a brilliant storyteller. He doesn't have to tell us about the widow for us to know quite a bit about her because just by the fact that she is coming to this judge herself, we already know that she is completely on her own. Under Roman law at this time, a woman has no legal rights. A woman's testimony is not valid in court. A woman has no standing apart from a man. That was the reality of life back then. A woman had to be a part of a man's household, and the man whose household she was a part of was responsible for her. And if there was an issue, it should have been the man going to the judge. So a young woman would be a part of her father's household. As she grew, if she was married, she would become a part of her husband's household. If she didn't, she would remain in her father's household until perhaps a brother would have to take care of her. Um, This is a widow, so she was married. If you were married and you had sons and your husband passed away, you would become part of your son's household. One way or another, there should have been someone to to go to the judge for her, and there isn't. So either she never had any sons, or the family is broken, or they also have passed away. We know this just by the fact that she's coming on her own. We know also that she is, quite literally, helpless. She comes to the judge, but she has no rights. She has nothing to stand on. She has no power to demand anything of this man. Now, if this judge were a good man, she might have had some kind of place to make her appeal, but legally she doesn't. Under Roman law she doesn't have a leg to stand on. Under Jewish law it would be a different story, and if this judge is a Jew, then as a righteous Jew he would be called upon to defend the widows, but we already know he doesn't care about God. So she's powerless. She's helpless. And yet, Somehow, she's not hopeless. Otherwise, why the persistence? She's a shrewd woman, this one. In the face of the temptation to lose heart, she doesn't give up. She is shrewd enough to identify the one thing that this judge does care about and use that as a lever to move him in her direction. Had the judge compassion, she could have appealed to his heart. Had he cared what others think, she might have appealed to his desire to to look good and, and do something good so that other people would see it. Had he cared about God, had he feared the Lord, she might have appealed to the scriptures and to the character of God as the defender of the widow and the fatherless. But none of these are available. So in a very real way, she appeals to the only thing left. She appeals to his selfishness. The judge holds all the power, and he exercises it only on behalf of himself. Even at the end of the story, when he finally says, I'm going to grant her justice, he still is only doing it for himself, because otherwise she might wear him out. And this is exactly where the humor of the story lies. This powerful judge, who must have stood up to powerful people, falls to a widow who's got nothing. Some of the men listening to this story may have thought, no wonder her husband died first. (laughs) Or they may have had the proverb go through their mind, better to live in a house with a leaky roof than a nagging wife. And yet, it is the widow who is both wise and victorious. Helpless but not hopeless, she prevails. And if we were to stop there, it's already a pretty great story. I think you could probably make a Hollywood movie out of this. But Jesus isn't done. The story isn't over yet. Because Jesus now turns from this short story that he's told to open our eyes to the two people that are not only in this story, but in our story. The Lord says, starting in verse 6, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly." And in a way, Jesus turns this story scandalous right now, because what he's just done is compare God to this awful judge. Like, who tells a story in which the character that turns out to be God is someone none of us would want to run into or deal with, right? Jesus does this. And in many of Jesus' stories, there's this how much more. And it's implicit here. If this is how the unjust judge acts, who neither fears God nor cares about people, how much more will God respond when his chosen ones, his children cry out to him. Will he do what the unjust judge does? No, he won't. And in that moment when Jesus turns this story on its head, our hope, the hope of the widow, which was so tiny, is meant to be fanned into a blazing fire. Because we do not come in prayer to an unjust and wicked judge. We come to our Heavenly Father who cares more than we can ever imagine. And by changing this one character, Jesus changes the entire story. But before I go on about that, I want you to note something that doesn't change. The character of the helpless widow doesn't change at all. And if God is the unjust judge, and this is a parable about prayer, then we are the widow. And we truly are as helpless as she is if we are on our own. We don't get to come to God with any more claim, any more right, any more power than this widow comes to the judge. We have nothing when we come to God on our own. And yet there is an implicit change even in the character of the widow. The widow is wise in her helplessness. We, if we are wise in our helplessness, we'll immediately see that when we cry out to God, who is not like the unjust judge, we do have much more hope than the widow. The widow comes and she's got the tiniest piece of hope to stand on, the hope that she can bother this man enough that she'll get what she wants. We come to God our Father, whose power is not limited like the power of the judge. He is all-powerful. And he does have a heart of compassion and mercy and justice. And he is interested in the world seeing his good character because he wants us all to know him and have life with him. And so while the widow comes on this tiny piece of hope, we can come in prayer to our Father, running through fields of hope broader and more firm than we can imagine. We come into the arms of the one whose compassion reaches to the heavens whose steadfast faithfulness stretches to the skies, whose good righteousness is firmer than the mighty mountains, and whose justice is deeper than the oceans. We come to the one to whom is all power, and wealth, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. And he loves us, and he wants us to come to him. And we can come in confidence, not because of us, but because of the work of Christ in whose blood we can approach the throne of grace, knowing that we will be heard. I've said repeatedly that on our own, when we come to God, we are helpless, but we never have to come to God on our own. And that's not directly in this parable, but I feel like I can't talk about prayer without saying that. We have an intercessor, Jesus, who is always praying on our behalf. And when we come in prayer, we join the work that is already going on. And so our hope is not in ourselves, It is in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is great news. And this is where we begin to become people who pray always and do not lose heart. I think as Jesus told this story, he knew quite a few things about us. I know he did. But specifically, he knew what I mentioned earlier, that we do easily lose heart in prayer. And it is easy to give up. He knew that we lose heart, not least of all, because prayer sometimes feels a lot like being this widow. It feels like you're a helpless person, approaching perhaps an unjust judge. The Bible's full of hard honesty, and I don't want to shy away from our experience of prayer. That we can be in this place where we have cried out, and we feel like there's no answer. We feel like there's no response, and we start to wonder. And it gets hard. It does. It gets hard to keep praying, especially when you're praying for things that are close to your heart and that you know are good. It's not like you're being selfish. You're praying for someone you love to come to know the Lord. You're praying for healing, for someone you deeply care about. And it's not happening, and you don't know what to do. And the temptation... And I think the third thing that Jesus knows as he tells this story is that in the midst of that experience, which is not denied here and which I don't want to deny either, in the midst of that experience, the deeper temptation is to lose faith in who God has revealed himself to be and to start thinking maybe he is a little bit like that unjust judge. Maybe he doesn't care as much as I thought. When our experience of the world doesn't line up with the revelations of Scripture, it's hard and it's very easy to give in to this side of things, to the experience of the world. And we're called to have a faith that even when we don't see the revealed character of God, it's still true. And we're called to remember all the times when we have seen that it is true. And I think that this is why Jesus puts this scandalous contrast in the story between our Father God and the unjust judge, because he knows where our hearts can lead us. He knows what happens when we begin to lose heart. It's also why this parable doesn't end with Jesus assuring us that God hears us and will answer. There is a third part. There is a plea. Because Jesus turns this story now from the persons who are involved, us and God, to the question of who are we going to be in response to this. And so you have the haunting final words of this passage. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Every time I hear those words, I'm cut to the heart. Because I know what he's asking. Who am I going to be? Who are we going to be? In the face of life that is often ambiguous, when we legitimately wonder if God hears us, will we still be people of faith? Will we still believe that we are his good chosen children and he is our loving father who does what is best and what is right and what is just and what is good? Will we be those who have persisted in praying always and not losing heart? Well, that's the question for us this morning. I said at the beginning that I am preaching this sermon for the same reason that Jesus tells this parable that we might be people who pray always and not lose heart. And if we're going to do that, it will only be because we have kept our eyes focused on who God is, on how good He is, on His love, on His grace, on the cross of Jesus, where all of these things are revealed to us. This passage of Scripture witnesses to many truths about who we are that we don't get to pick. We are helpless, but we are not hopeless because we are the chosen ones of God. And the call as God's chosen ones is to walk in faith, crying out to Him again and again. Praying always and not losing heart because our God is good and He does hear and He will answer. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming for us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for telling good stories for us, Lord. We need them. And may we hear them and be cut to the heart. And Lord, may we know your goodness. May you often give us glimpses of your grace and your character to carry us through. It's your light, Lord, breaking through the dark clouds that allow us to move forward. And may we be, in your grace and in your spirit, people who pray always and do not lose heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. As we finish this morning, I know that there will be prayer teams up here. And if you need prayer, please come and receive it. And I want to especially invite you, if you are a person who has lost heart in some part of prayer, and you're not sure how to get started again, get prayed for. It's okay to begin with other people's prayer. Uh, We get to be a community in this. But for any reason, please come and receive prayer. There's also refreshments and a time of fellowship in the back that you're invited to. Uh, So please join us for each of these things. Now it's my privilege to send you off with a benediction and a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance to you and bring you peace. May you walk and go with Jesus in his name. Amen.